0: Chapter 9 of Leatherface A Tale of Old Flanders. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Jines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Leatherface A Tale of Old Flanders by Baroness Orxey. Chapter 9 A Divided Duty strange and conflicting were the feelings which ran riot through lenora's soul when she once more found herself alone in her own room mortification held for a time undisputed sway a sense of injury of having gone half-way to meet she knew not what and having been repulsed she was quite sure that she hated her husband now far more bitterly than she had ever hated any one before. At the same time she felt relieved that he at any rate had no part in the treachery which was being hatched under his father's roof. One thing, however, gave her an infinite sense of relief. She was going back to her father on the morrow. She would leave this house where she had known nothing but sorrow and humiliation since first she entered it above all she would never see those people again on whom she had been spying yes spying there was no other word for it hideous as it was it expressed what lenora had done oh there was no sophistry about the girl she was too proud too pure to try and palliate what she had done by shirking to call it by its name she had done a task which had been imposed on her by her king her country and her father she had sworn to do it sworn it on the deathbed of the only man who had ever loved her the only man whose voice and touch had thrilled her the companion of her childhood her accepted lover and her kinsman she had done it because god himself through her father's and her king's own mouth had ordered her to do it and it was not for her ignorant unsophisticated sinful mayhap to question god's decrees but when she thought back on the events of the past hour she felt a shudder of horror slowly creeping along her spine and she thanked god that he would allow her to leave this house for ever and for ever to turn her back on those whom she so unwillingly had betrayed but she would not allow her mind to dwell on such morbid fancies there was a great deal to be done ere the morning broke her task if it was to be fruitful was not completed yet she began by taking down a pair of metal candlesticks which stood on a shelf above the hearth and lighting the candles at a small lamp which she had brought up with her these she placed upon the table then she went to the press where only a few hours ago inez had ranged all her clothes and effects her new gowns and linen from among these things she took a flat wallet in which there were some sheets of paper a quill and small inkhorn, also some wax for sealing letters down she went to her task slowly and methodically for she was unaccustomed to writing letters in the convent they had taught her how to do it and twice a year she had written to her father once on new year's day and once on the feast of san juan but the task before her was a far more laborious one than she had ever undertaken with pen and paper but she sat down courageously to write she wrote an account of everything that she had seen heard and experienced in this house from the moment when first she left her room in the evening in order to seek companionship until the moment when having secured the packet of papers she had relocked the bureau with her pass-key and started to go back to her room what she did not set down in writing was her subsequent meeting with her husband for that had no connection with the prince of orange or with conspiracies and was merely a humiliating episode in the life of a neglected bride the gray dawn slowly creeping in through the leaded glass of her window still found her at her task the candles had burned down low in their sockets their light of a dim yellow color fought feebly against the incoming dawn but lenora felt no fatigue she wrote in a small cramped hand and covered four sheets of paper with close writing When she had finished, she read all that she had written down carefully through, made several corrections in the text, and folded the sheets neatly together. Then she took from the bosom of her gown the packet of papers, which she had found in the bureau, put it together with her own writing, and enclosed everything in a clean sheet of paper carefully folded over round this she tied a piece of white ribbon such as she used for doing up her hair and sealed it all down with wax finally on the outside of this packet she wrote with a clear hand to don juan de vargas at his residence in brussels to be given unto him with the seal unbroken in the event of my death lenora tired out with emotion and bodily exertion slept soundly for a few hours when inez came in in the late morning to wait on her she ordered the old woman to put a few necessary effects in a small leather valise and to pack up all her things and all her clothes my father hath need of me for a few days she said in response to inez's exclamation of astonishment we start this morning for brussels for which the lord be praised ejaculated inez piously for of all the dull miserable uncomfortable houses that i ever was in in my life hold your tongue woman broke in lenora sharply and see to your work you will never be done if you talk so much and inez more than ever astonished at this display of temper on the part of a young mistress who had always been kind and gentle had perforce to continue her mutterings and her grumblings under her breath whilst the old woman laid out carefully upon the bed all the pretty things which she had stowed away in the presses only twenty-four hours ago lenora busied herself with yet another task which she had set herself but which she had been too tired to accomplish in the night she wrote a short letter to laurence my devoted friend she wrote you promised me a very little while ago that if ever i wanted you to do something for me i was only to send you this ring and you would do whatever i asked now in the name of our lady i adjure you to leave ghent at once taking your mother with you a grave danger threatens you both i know that you have relatives in haarlem i entreat you nay i ask it of you as a fulfilment of your promise to go to them at once with your mother your father is in no danger and mark will be escorting me to brussels and I shall try and keep him there until all danger is past." Having written thus far, she paused a moment, pen in hand, a frown of deep puzzlement and of indecision upon her brow. Then she continued, in a firm hand, "'It is your mother's and your own complicity in the plot which is being hatched in Ghent against the Duke of Alva which has brought your lives in danger she strewed the sand over her writing then read the letter carefully through after which she took a ring from off her finger enclosed it in the letter and sealed the latter down inez she said yes my saint i shall be starting for brussels within the hour holy virgin exclaimed the old woman i shall not be ready with the packing why this hurry my angel Your not being ready, Inez, is of no consequence. I shall start with Monsieur van Rycke. You will follow on in the wagon. But, my saint—now do not talk so much, Inez, broke in Lenora impatiently. If you add to my anxieties by being quarrelsome and disobedient, I shall surely fall sick and die evidently the young girl knew exactly how to work on her faithful old servant's temperament inez reduced to abject contrition by the thought that she was rendering her darling anxious and sick swore by every saint in the calendar that she would bite off her tongue toil like a slave and be as obedient as a cur if only her darling angel would keep well and cheerful and tell her what to do you must not fret about me inez resumed lenora as soon as the old woman's voluble apologies and protestations had somewhat subsided my husband will escort me as far as brussels and in my father's house little pepita will wait on me till you come and if that flighty wench doesn't look after you properly began inez menacingly you will make her suffer i've no doubt quoth lenora dryly in the meanwhile listen carefully inez for there is something that i want you to do for me which no one else but you can do for which the lord be thanked said inez fervently what is it my dear this letter she said yes i want Monsieur laurence van rycke to have it after i have gone he shall have it my saint he may be from home i shall find him he must have it before midday he shall have it promise i'll swear it the old woman took the letter with the ring which her mistress held out to her and then only did lenora feel that she had done all that lay in her power to reconcile her duty to her king with her sentiment for those who had been kind to her how lenora spent the rest of the long wearisome interminable morning she never afterwards could have told you the very atmosphere around her oppressed her well-nigh unbearably there were the farewells to be said to the family to the high bailiff who was apologetic and obsequious, to Clemence, who cried, and to Lawrence, who looked sadly inquiring and reproachful. Fortunately, Mark had paved the way for these farewells in his usual airy and irresponsible manner. It was the Spanish custom, so he had assured his mother that brides after spending twenty-four hours under their husband's roof returned to their parents or guardians for a few weeks clemence had smiled incredulously when she had heard this but had allowed herself anon to be persuaded there were such queer marriage customs in different parts of the world these days why in many parts of germany the bridegroom was according to tradition soundly thrashed by his friends directly after the religious ceremony it was in order that he should be prepared for the many vicissitudes of connubial life and there were other equally strange customs in foreign lands spain was a curious country clemence was prepared to admit and ah well perhaps it was all for the best she had been attracted by the beautiful girl whom, indeed, a cruel fate seemed to have tossed into the very midst of a family with whom she had absolutely nothing in common. Clémence had been sorry for her in her gentle, motherly way, but she had mistrusted her, and just now all Clémence's thoughts were centred on her country's wrongs on the great fight for political and religious liberty which had received so severe a blow and which the noble prince of orange was still determined to carry on with the help of god and so though clmence cried a little and though her kind heart ached for the young girl who looked so pathetic and so forlorn when she bade her good-bye she nevertheless felt a sense of relief when she remembered all that had been talked of and planned in this house last night and thought of the packet of papers which were locked away with her most precious jewels she kissed the girl tenderly and spoke of the happy day when she would come back to her new home never to leave it again lenora pale like a young ghost with dark rings under her eyes, and lips that quivered with the sobs she was vainly trying to suppress, made an effort to respond, and then hurried out of the room. But when she saw Lawrence he was alone in the hall, and she contrived to whisper to him, You remember the ring? He nodded eagerly. I shall soon send it to you, she said, and ask you to do something for my sake. Command me, he implored, and it shall be done. Then at last the farewells were all spoken, and Lenora and her husband started on their way. It had rained in torrents all the morning, therefore departure was delayed until long past midday. The waggons for the effects were to be round almost immediately, but their progress would be very slow, owing to the bad state of the roads the road between ghent and brussels runs parallel with the scheld for the first two or three leagues the river had overflowed its banks and in places the road was so deep under water that the horses sank in it almost up to their bellies everywhere it was fetlock deep in mud and more like a ploughed field than a owing to the continual passage recently of cavalry and artillery mark and lenora were travelling alone which was distinctly unseemly in a lady of her rank but the distance was not great and inez had to be left behind to finish up the packing whilst mark refused to take a serving-man with him declaring that the roads were perfectly safe now and free from footpads, and that they would surely be in brussels before nightfall lenora who was an absolute stranger in the country and did not know one flemish town from another and who moreover had done the journey from brussels to ghent ten days ago in a covered coach drawn by four horses was ready to accept any suggestion or any itinerary with the blindness of ignorance she hardly noticed that they seemed to be making very slow progress nor that the sky which had cleared up brilliantly in the early part of the afternoon was once more heavily overcast mark at first had made one or two attempts at cheerful conversation but since lenora only answered in monosyllables he too relapsed into silence after a while. The flat, monotonous country, sodden with rain, looked unspeakably dreary to the girl accustomed to the snow-clad vistas of the Sierras and the blue skies of Castile. As they left Ghent, further and further behind them, the country bore traces of the terrible ravages of Alva's relentless occupation poverty and wretchedness were writ largely upon every tiny village or hamlet which they passed everywhere the houses bore a miserable and forlorn aspect with broken chimneys and shattered roofs trees cut down to make way for the passage of cavalry or merely for the supplying of firewood for alva's army in the little town of wetteren through which they passed, the houses looked deserted and dilapidated, the people looked ill-clad and sullen, and as they crossed the marketplace a crowd of beggars, men, women, and children, in miserable rags, flocked around their horses' heels, begging for alms. So much had Spanish occupation done for this proud country— which only a very few years ago had boasted that not one of its children ever lacked clothing or food tears of pity gathered in lenora's eyes she of course did not know that the misery which she witnessed was due to her people to her country and to her king and in no small measure to her father she gave the poor folk money and said kindly words of compassion to them then she turned to mark it is dreadful she said naively to see so much misery in the land when our sovereign lord the king does so much for its welfare it is these wretched internal dissensions i suppose that are ruining the country surely all those abominable rebels must see that their obstinacy and treachery redounds upon their own kith and kin they ought to see that oughtn't they was mark's dry and curt comment and lenora chilled by such strange indifference once more relapsed into her former silence when they neared the walls of dendermonde mark announced that his horse had cast a shoe he dismounted and leading his horse by the bridle he advanced to the city gate here however both he and lenora were summarily stopped by a young provost who demanded to see their papers of identification their travelling permits and their permit to enter this fortified city to lenora's astonishment mark who was always so good-humoured and placid became violent and abusive at this formality imposed upon him. It was in no way different to those which the municipality of Ghent would have enjoined on any stranger who desired to enter the city. These had been rendered necessary by the many stringent edicts formulated by the lieutenant-governor against the harbouring of rebels in fortified towns and all law-abiding citizens were in consequence obliged to provide themselves with the necessary passes and permits whenever they desired to travel lenora whose ignorance of every law every formality every duty imposed upon this once free and proud country by its spanish masters was unbounded could not quite understand why her husband who was the son of a high civic dignitary had not taken care that all his papers were in order before he embarked upon this journey it surely had been his duty to do that in order to save himself and his wife from the humiliation of being thus held up at a city gate by an insolent provost who had the power to make his authority felt and was not sparing of abuse of loudish netherlanders who were wilfully ignorant of the law or else impudent enough to flout it an unpleasant quarrel between the two men would undoubtedly have ensued and would inevitably have ended in disaster for mark but for the intervention of lenora who spoke to the provost in spanish i am this noble gentleman's wife she said haughtily in response to an insolent look from the young soldier and the daughter of signor juan de vargas who will make you responsible sirrah for any inconvenience you may cause me at mention of the all-powerful and dreaded name the provost's manner immediately underwent a change at the same time he was not prepared to accept the statement quite so unconditionally as laura had supposed this noble gentleman he retorted half sullenly hath no papers whereby i can verify the truth of what he asserts he has none whereby he can prove to me that he is the son of the high bailiff of ghent and that you are his wife and the daughter of don juan de vargas you have my word for both these assertions you accursed fool exclaimed mark hotly and i'll make you rue your insolence you dog of a netherlander retorted the provost and teach you how to treat a soldier of the king mark i entreat you not in my presence broke in lenora hastily for she saw that her husband apparently beside himself with rage was about to commit one of those foolish and purposeless acts of violence which would have resulted for them both in a veritable chaplet of unpleasantness imprisonment in a guard-room bringing up before a sheriff interrogations abuse and insults until the high bailiff or her father could be communicated with a matter probably of two or three days dependent on the good-will of the very sheriff before whom they would appear it was positively unthinkable lenora could not understand how mark could be so foolish as to lose his temper when he was so obviously in the wrong nor how he could have been so thoughtless in the matter of the papers she managed by dint of tactful speech and the power of her beautiful personality to pacify the wrath of the provost and to half persuade him to believe her assertion that she was indeed the daughter of don juan de vargas at any rate the young soldier was by now sufficiently impressed by the sound of that dreaded name to decline any further responsibility in this difficult matter he allowed the travellers to pass through the city gates and to remain within the city for two hours he added significantly if you wish to stay the night you must obtain permission from the shout mark eased his temper by muttering a few more imprecations under his breath then he seemed content and somewhat pacified and finally led lenora's horse and his own quietly through the inner fortifications, and thence across the flax-market to the grand place. Mark established his young wife in the ingle-nook of the tapperage in the highly respectable tavern of the merry beggars, opposite the cloth hall. He enjoined the host and hostess to take every care of the noble lady, and then he went off himself in search of a farrier fortunately at this hour it was just three o'clock in the afternoon the tapperage was practically deserted in one corner by the window two middle-aged burghers were playing hazard in another a soldier was fast asleep mine host was passing kind he brought a roomy armchair up to the hearth for the pretty lady threw a fresh log upon the fire kicked it into a blaze and placed a footstool at lenora's feet his wife a buxom though sad-eyed flemish vrouw brought her some warm milk and a piece of wheaten bread lenora ate and drank with relish for she was both hungry and tired and when she had finished eating she leaned back in the big armchair and soon fell comfortably asleep she had practically no rest the night before her nerves were overstrung, and her eyes hot with weeping. There was also a heavy load on her heart, a load chiefly weighted by the packet which was destined for her father, and which she still carried carefully hidden in the bosom of her gown. So strange are the contradictions of the human heart, of a woman's heart above all, that oft-times to-day, as her horse ambled slowly— along beside Marx, she had caught herself wishing hoping that something unforeseen would occur which would make it impossible for her to go to brussels something which would force her to go back to ghent with the contents of that packet still a close secret within her heart in the morning she had watched the skies anxiously hardly aware that within her innermost soul she was hoping that the continuous rains had made the roads impassable broken down a bridge that some sign in fact would come to her from god that she was absolved from that awful oath the fulfilment of which seemed indeed an impossible task then would come a terrible revulsion of feeling she would remember that the prince of orange was even now in ghent with two thousand men who were to be armed by him so that they might fight against their king and threaten the life of the lieutenant-governor the king's own chosen representative and she would hate and despise herself for her cowardly irresolution her very prayer to god appeared like blasphemy and she wanted to urge the horses forward she fretted at every delay for delay might mean the murder of the duke of alva and the standard of rebellion hoisted up in triumph above the town-house of ghent women will understand and pity her those at least who once in their life have been torn twixt duty and sentiment lenora was not one of the strong-minded of her sex she was very young a mere girl reared in the tranquillity of convent life, and then suddenly thrown into the vortex of political intrigue, of cruel reprisals and bitter revolt, and heart and mind within her fought a terrible battle which threatened to ruin her entire life. But in the meanwhile she was sorely in need of rest. The tapperage was so quiet, and the inglenook. nook was rendered quite private by a tall screen between it and the rest of the room the soldier in the corner was snoring with insistent monotony a big blue bottle droned against the window and a pleasing glow and cheerful crackling came from the fire in the hearth lenora slept peacefully end of chapter nine